Engaging Leader, episode 198, How to Get More Collaboration and Team Accountability, featuring Kim Nugent. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at workforcecommunication.com. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Organizations need more collaboration and teamwork, but how do you make that happen? Particularly when facing large initiatives or other challenges, the stress on your team can lead to problems such as burnout, finger-pointing, throwing people under the bus, and just outright project failures. As a leader, how can you troubleshoot the situation and improve your team's collaboration, accountability, and overall effectiveness? Joining me today is Kim Nugent. She's a talent management and organizational development consultant with over 20 years of experience. She's based in Chicago, and she's consulted across all industries with clients such as Eli Lilly, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, Stanford University, and United Airlines. Today, we'll talk about what gets in the way of collaboration, how you can increase psychological safety for your team, what attributes make a highly collaborative team member, What are some great diagnostic questions that will help you get to the root of the problem? And what are some powerful but simple tools for improving your team's performance and your own leadership effectiveness? Kim Nugent, welcome to Engaging Leader. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Kim, organizations need more collaboration and teamwork. How how do you go about doing that? That's a great question. Um, I'm finding today about half of us are spending our times in teams, but only close to 30% of us feel our teams are high performing. So some of my simple out of the gate wisdom is one, you need a clear roadmap for the team. And number two, you need to ask yourself, is everyone equally participating? I've attended so many meetings and team sessions over my career where two to three voices dominate. And one of the most critical predictors of high performance is equal participation from everyone in every meeting. So the topic of psychological safety comes up a lot because that's one reason why you don't get that equal input from everybody in meetings. Where do you, how do you tackle that situation? I think you tackle that with the team leader or managers. Um, I would say we've all heard stories in our career in particular about the manager who was promoted for technical expertise, but not good at managing, wasn't really interested in mentoring or coaching others. And I would start with the team leader or manager. Um, Do they have interest in coaching, mentoring, and communicating with the team? Teams are about everyone in the work product. It's not about you. So always start with the team leader and trust is built through a couple things. One is the vulnerability of that team leader. And number two is how, again, back to these meetings, can I engage in a productive conflict oriented discussion in a meeting and still preserve my identity and my career reputation when I leave? Is it safe for interpersonal risk taking? So that's what good teams are all about, sort of that safety of putting real issues on the table. That can be challenging when you just have, let's say, a big initiative to get done and you're feeling time pressure as the leader 
and you just want to get things done. And it's so tempting. I see so many leaders that just start micromanaging, basically, or just making decisions, or they, they, they kind of get maybe their own fear pushes them into the smartest person in the room role, which is kind of a, the opposite of psychological safety for the team. Right. And that's where um, two things. One is, I would say with that leader, you know, has that leader created an environment of um, upward feedback where people can have a courageous or crucial conversation? I've definitely met leaders in my career who really open in the, or open up to that sort of feedback. Um, I would say the other thing is this is where HR can step in if they have consultative coaching skills or an OD professional, which is coming to that leader and coaching them through the process and say, you know, I have a roadmap to help you. It's pretty simple. Let me be an extra set of hands here. So give me an example of how you would go about providing a roadmap like that. Is that something that you have to construct on a custom basis each time or can companies have a more I guess, standardized approach? Uh, Another great question. Um, In my consulting career, I operate under meet clients where they're at. And I think when you think about you and I growing up um, way back before the internet, you know, we would get journals and periodicals. We didn't have all this information at our hands. So I would say there's a lot of content out there on team effectiveness, but there's little wisdom in organizations. So just a quick case study, I was working with a financial services organization that was about to go through a merger. This organization really realized uh, things like org design, transformation, what have you was really important. So it created an OD team, um, one person aligned to each key business unit. And then it said, we wanna give these people a team effectiveness toolkit. And we want to sort of curate what's out there for the needs in our organization. So through a typical project plan, what we created for this organization was an internet portal. Everything was online. Um, We identified six types of team scenarios in this organization, like new leader, team going through a change, team with a problem, two teams merging because of a merger, and basically gave a roadmap for each of those scenarios. Um, Other things included in this toolkit was just a two-pager assessment qualitative guide, so an HR business partner or OD person could do sort of that interview diagnostic. We partnered with one vendor, um, the table group or Lencioni, to offer one online team assessment that, you know, people could be pointed to. And, you know, we curated decks and activities. So, for example, a team with a problem that needs to rebuild trust, um, there's a series of events going through. And perhaps one of my favorite uh, tools, and it's quite simple, um, there's an organization called Team Canvas. And and the canvas is really about boiling the ocean and putting the facts on one page. So it sort of takes the team charter idea and sort of says, what are the roles and accountabilities? What are the values and norms? What's the purpose? And sort of just takes the key facts and helps you get all that information on one page. So when you have uh, some of these scenarios, um, and uh, it sounds like you start with uh, a quick assessment, um, a little bit of an interview to find out what's going on, talking to the leader, maybe talking to some of the, the um, people on the team to figure out what are the, the problem areas. And then you end up with kind of a toolkit. Here's some suggested 
um, trainings that the leader can do, some trainings uh, that the um, team members can do. And these are, it's sort of self-paced, I guess it sounds like. Yeah, it goes back to meet people where they're at. I think if you're a good internal consultant, you know when your audience needs the three-pager, the two-hour meeting, the three-hour meeting. Um, if you have a bigger team where all of a sudden you've got a team with a problem or people are pointing at each other, there's a lot of burnout or stress and anxiety, you know that kind of transformation, which could be technology or org design, um, that takes you know, more time and thoughtful consideration um, if there's that type of issue. So, for example, let's say you're a team and you're implementing a big technology platform. And those often are seem like a high-risk situation. There's a, there's a time frame that you have to deliver on, high visibility. So what does, what, does the, what does that look like if you're the leader of the team and you're maybe concerned, uh, you're, you're in that point in the project where maybe people, there's, there's some problems going on. You maybe have some people throwing each other under the bus because they're getting nervous about meeting timelines and so forth. Uh, where do you start? I think there's two things. I would say there's the structural part of these big initiatives, and then there's the soft stuff. And I would say the soft stuff is the hard stuff. But going back to the structure, um, one of the biggest things I see in transformation or team effectiveness issues is governance. Who's in charge? Who is the decision maker? And in IT transformations, is it the technical people or is there a business leader where whatever the solution is, it's really um, meeting customer requirements? So who is the thought leader at the top? Um, second, in IT transformations, um, you've usually got a hybrid of all hands on deck internally, but you're often folding contractors and other consulting firms into the fold. So I think the program project manager office um, needs to create that team infrastructure that says, here are the work streams, here are the decision makers, here's what the left and right hand is doing. This is what a contractor vendor cannot do. Um, this is what we wanna make sure our internal staff are doing. Um, things as simple as announcing the new org structure or sending out communications or what have you. So that's all the infrastructure. And then the, I think the, the soft stuff is really goes back to leadership. Hitting the pause button when you see stress, uh, toxic burnout, pointing to fingers, and doing that process check where, heck, you might do a team assessment. You might do one-on-one -on -one interviews. And instead of throwing people under the bus, the goal is to create cohesion and make sure people get to know each other and each other's stories, um, that sort of thing. So I sort of work it two ways, the structure side and the soft side. How does accountability fit into that? You know, I've been doing a lot of research on this. Um, I think we all read and we all experience there's a lot of collaboration happening in organizations. What I find interesting is our traditional performance management talent review succession systems don't always recognize, reward, or point out those who collaborate. So what I'm starting to see is um, organizations with workforce analytic groups doing some social network analysis and all of a sudden realizing in the IT department or in these project team environments, hey, these are the collaborators who are generous with their time. They're humble. They share information. Um, they have little ego. They may not be the higher, highest producers in terms of results or numbers, but they're a, an important cog in a collaborative wheel. 
So I would say organizations are trying to study their collaborative networks, um, figure out who these people are, what attributes do they have that help with accountability. Uh, again, like I said, little ego, generous spirit, open to others idea, a helpful work ethic, and then making sure in your succession and talent review, you know, are you starting to track a pipeline of people who exhibit those characteristics? Yeah, it seems like as the leader, it goes back to, you know, your one of your earlier comments about psychological safety. So often as leaders, we tend to recognize the more the louder voices because they speak up first in meetings as an example. And sometimes those more generous spirits are are not the first to be talking. And so if you're not the first or second person to start talking, you might not your voice might not not be heard in a given meeting. Yeah. I always go back to, I mean, this is all common sense, but I think we move so fast today. And I always like to compare things to our iPhone. You know, we like to swipe left or right for quick information, but we forget that relationships and dialogue take time. And it's really about respect. So people are really picking up on people's cues of, am I being connected with by the team leader? Is the team leader interested in me? Do they care about my work? Do they care about my career? Do they even know that I have value or I have something to bring to this project or are they dismissive of me? There are all these little nuances that go on in our interactions. And I feel like when we're moving too fast, um, we can get ourselves in trouble. Now, if you're the leader or maybe you're the the um, change management uh, consultant, what are some of your favorite diagnostic questions to get to the bottom of what does this team need if they're facing some kind of challenge or they're they're into the a stressful stage of a of a big project. You know, I go through. Well, if you um, look at, for example, the, there's a lot of ways to tackle this. But if you look at the Lencioni model, which is about um, either the five attributes of a cohesive team, or it can be stated in the negative. Um, the first is the foundation. You know, what is the strength of trust? Are people being vulnerable? So I would ask about that. I would ask about, is there artificial harmony or a fear of conflict? Um, is there clarity of commitments or is there a lot of ambiguity? Um, does the leader ha- expect low standards or high standards? Um, have people checked their egos at the door? So I would try to sort of get the sense of the soft stuff, but then I would ask practical questions too, like who's in charge? What's the scope of work? Is it clear? Do you have the right blend of people? And my favorite one these days are, are people set up for success? I feel like um, we're plopping people out of functional environments, putting them on too many teams, and we're really not structuring their work life to be successful. Um, I was talking to a colleague recently who was supposed to be the integrator on six change teams. And this person wasn't set up for success, was working late hours and resulting in burnout. So I think that success and taking work away so people can focus is really critical. Kim, you mentioned there's a lot of resources out available on the internet. What are some of your favorite tools if someone's listening to this and they just want to go check out some things that would help them out immediately today? Um, Yeah, a couple of things. Um, One is, you know, Google has been great uh, sharing its research uh, with the public. And they have a site called Regarding We Work. Um, And in that, if you search team building or around Project Aristotle, 
you will find um, team effectiveness guides, um, a lot of information on psychological safety and a lot of information to get you going, which is fabulous. The table group uh, and the Lencioni model, they've just um, improved their online team assessment. So if you have a team that's working, that's a great tool to get individual data and then bring those results to a meeting to discuss. There's actually an, a podcast that's been out for the last two years um, called Conscious Collaboration. So if you really get interested in the neuroscience and behavior of collaboration, people wanting to belong, sort of our reactions around trust and all those things, it's a fabulous uh, podcast to get at the behavior. Um, and a couple of, uh, there's an organization that puts all its team canvas work on site or online rather. And so if you need a tool and you want to sort of create your team charter and get it on one page, um, there's a site called Team Canvas that spells that out. Um, and last, I'm a big fan of Adam Grant and Brene Brown. Um, Adam, um, these days in Instagram, provides a lot of great management uh, team behavioral nuggets. I call them fortune cookies. So if you <laughs> want wisdom for your team or yourself around how you could be behave better to make, um, I think he calls it to make work suck less, um, <laughs> a great person to follow. And then um, Brene is just great with her dare to lead. And she has this um, a lesson that she shares, which is when a problem is happening with your team, reflecting about what is your role as the team leader in it. And she has this powerful story about what good enough looks like. What am I asking for? What does the end result look like? You know, sometimes we're so busy, we send a team down the path and because we didn't clarify scope or expectations, we didn't have a check-in, they land up doing what we didn't want. <laughs> so I think <laughs> when that happens, instead of treating someone as stupid or not having their act together, you need to pause and say, what's my role as a team leader? And uh, Brene just has great information for team leaders and teams alike on vulnerability and her daring to lead uh, programming is just great. It was just a follow-up question about the Brene Brown stuff. Where would, she's got so much out there and so many books uh, and I love, I love her stuff, but where, if someone was brand new, where, where would you suggest they begin with Brene Brown? Um, her website, like all thought leaders has changed over time, but just go to her website and I forget if the book is Daring to Lead or Dare to Lead, but she has reading guides, principles, decks. Um, she has linked to all her news media and quick articles that you could send to a team, some of her favorite chapters. So she's curated podcasts and presentations she's given on her recent book. So it's a really, if you just land on her site, um, you'll see all the digital resources. Cool. Kim, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I would just remind people that there's tons of content out there on team effectiveness, but again, people are spotty in their wisdom. So if you're an HR practitioner listening to this, you know, curate some of the critical few tools and make them easy to access for your business leaders. As people who are engaged in teamwork, remember it's about trust, generous spirit, seeing and hearing all team members in a meeting um, and focusing on respect versus your ego. So if you want to be a better team player, team leader, think about those things. And um, people are hardwired for belonging. Uh, we might not always get it right, um, but if we listen better, dialogue, have patience, we'll get there. 
Um, and I think, Jesse, you also asked me where people can find me. I think you're going to provide a link, but I'm Kim Nugent. I'm out of Chicago and in my LinkedIn profile, I'm identified as an HR talent management consultant. Very cool. Well, Kim Nugent, thank you so much for joining us on Engaging Leader today. Thanks, Jesse. All right, Engagers, we'll provide the links that Kim mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 198. It's in episode 198. Don't miss those. It includes Kim's top six diagnostic questions for understanding your team's needs, as well as links to Google's team effectiveness toolkit, the table group's online team assessment, the team canvas, and more. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sides and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results. In several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Cecily Leahy, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.